0: Hey, this is David Merrill, pastor of the Well Church. I would like to first thank you for downloading the app and listening to what God is doing through the life and ministry of the Well Church. I would also ask that before you listen to this message, that you would pray that God not only continues to transform lives through this ministry, but also that as you hear the word of God proclaimed, pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you in areas that your life has not been given over to God, empower you to repent and turn but also embolden you to be doers of the word and not simply hearers in order that you become a light in your homes, in your schools, in your workplaces, and even in your local church body. Let us be radically in love with Jesus and radically in love with his people. Once again, I just thank you for listening and may God bless you abundantly. We've been going through the gospel of John for a while now. And the purpose of John, the gospel is everything that John wrote by the power of the spirit was to bring us to the truth of who Jesus is, the knowledge of who Jesus is, so that we can actually be saved in who Jesus is and by his spirit, by his words, by his truth. See, this is, there's, there's, there's no more important time for us to know this. I really believe this is kind of God ordained, God divine that we, reading this and going through this now in this season because I'll tell you we live in a in a season where truth is relative truth is everything is relative it's your truth and 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 what John is saying is no there is the truth and the truth is in Jesus and and not the Jesus that you've molded not the Jesus that you've created not the pictures of Jesus that you've seen growing up none of that let me show you who the real Jesus is and it's this Jesus that saves us it's not your. It's not. It's not the, the Mormon Jesus that is brothers with Lucifer. It's not the Jehovah's Witness Jesus that was created being. It's not the Muslims Jesus that was a prophet. It's not the the, the 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 Jesus, the liberal Jesus that says everything is all great and good and fine. It's not the New Age Jesus that says that we're all kind of those spiritual Christ. No, it is the biblical version. It's not even my Jesus and all my distortions and my my upbringing and my culture that's influenced it. It's what God says about Himself. And when he says this is who he is, this is the Jesus that saves. So last week we saw an image of Jesus that I believe, man, it's it is, it is it was one. Of, it's my favorite story. It's why the church is called the well. Um, so there's a little selfish uh, intent with the, the name because I just love this story of the woman at the well. And I believe it, that our heart is what Jesus is doing here with this woman in Saqqar. And, and, and so what we saw was the woman came to Jesus and she came to satisfy what? the physical, her thirst, right? She wanted to satisfy the physical thirst. And what does Jesus offer her? Spiritual, right? He offers her spiritual living water. Now there's this whole back and forth. I don't fully understand it. I don't fully get it. And so, but eventually she understands what Jesus is offering, but Jesus offers her this physical, spiritual water. And what we talked about was that for the carnal minded man, what Jesus has to offer you means nothing. Like if you're in here and you come to the, to the well, if you come to the church, I mean, the well, I was actually thinking about that well, but this well, if you come to any well, okay, looking for Jesus, but you're coming to satisfy the flesh, you're coming to satisfy, you know, I want a better marriage, I want more money, I want a happier life, I want to be satisfied in the flesh. Now that's fine if you come this way, but the problem is if you leave that way. Amen. Because the woman came for the flesh and she left in the spirit, Right? And Jesus says that there'll be time when the, we will worship in spirit and in truth. And, and that time is now. Now, with that being said, the conversation kind of went this tour where she said, okay, where do I worship? I worship, we worship in Mount Gerizim. Y'all, the Jews, worship in Jerusalem. So where do we worship? And Jesus says, you worship what you don't know. We as Jews worship what we do know. Right? We worship what we do know. And he says, salvation must come through who? The Jews. The Jews. Right so there's this aspect that Jesus says salvation comes to the Jews and we saw last week the reason why was because the shadow of the Old Testament everything that God did see the thing about the Israelites that we got to remember this the Israelites were unique and a special people Amos chapter 3 verse Two, God says, "I have chosen you." I think it's two. I've chosen you amongst all the nations of the people of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter seven. God calls them a chosen nation. He calls them a royal priesthood. He calls they their special treasures amongst all people. And so there's a unique calling on the nation of Israel. They were the people of blessing, right? God said, "If you obey me, I'll bless you. I'll give you land. I'll give you prosperity. And then if you obey me, I'll also be your like bodyguard. I'll take out everybody." Right, I'll start taking people down. You mess with my people. Now, if you disobey me, I'll send people in to destroy you, right? Which is what happens. But it was this promises that they, they had. They had the, the covenant from Abraham, they had the, the Noah covenant, they had Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, all these covenants made with the people of Israel, all to foreshadow who? Jesus. The Messiah. The Jesus, the come, that there was the shadow of the substance that Jesus comes. Now, if you've been with us, you're kind of picking up on all this, that Jesus is the shadow, the Old Testament is the shadow, but it came through the nation of Israel. Not only did God speak through the prophets pertaining to Israel, or to, pertaining to Jesus, he spoke through Moses pertaining to Jesus. He showed imagery of who Moses was, of who David was, who, of who Abraham was, and all this imagery, all pointing to the Messiah. Salvation must come through the Jews. Why? Because our Savior is Jewish. 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 It came as the substance, the fulfillment. But not only that, but Jesus not only, the, the Jews not only promised this, but they were the first ones to receive the fulfillment, right? They were the first ones to receive the fulfillment. Paul says in Romans 1:16, my favorite verse, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes first to the Jew, then to the Greek or the Gentile, right? Salvation came first to the Jews, and what we're seeing here, in fact, this is really, this is really why I don't know if you guys have ever encountered this. I actually had somebody tell me this, um, and I was event, I was witnessing to somebody. I can't remember; it was a while ago. But they were like, you know, you you are worshiping your wrong Messiah. Jesus isn't your Messiah. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Have you ever heard of that? anybody ever told you that? Hmm, well. I found the one guy. Okay. Um, <laughs> But it was like, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. He's not the Gentile Messiah. Paul was a blasphemer who took it to the Gentiles, but Jesus first, Jesus was only coming to the Jews, Yeshua Messiah, right? Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, not the Gentile Messiah. So you're worshiping the wrong God. The problem with that is not only does Paul say that, but what does the Old Testament say? What is God's heart for the world? Look, this is Isaiah 45, it says, look to me and be saved all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Isaiah 49 says, and indeed he says it is no small thing or too small thing that you should be my servant to be raised up or raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the persevered ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So God's heart from the beginning has always been first to the Jews, but then he wants the entire world to come to him, to send out his people, to send out his. That's what Jesus' purpose was to come and do. And we actually see this foreshadowed in the last couple of weeks. Who did Jesus go to first to witness and share the gospel with? Nicodemus, a Jew of the Jew, right? He was the one, the first time we see that the gospel laid out in the book of John, it was Nicodemus, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. The Jew of the Jew, the highest Jew, right? the, the leader of the synagogue, the Sanhedrin, here's Nicodemus, and then the, the very next person he witnesses to is the, the worst of the worst of the worst, a shamed woman, Samaritan, Gentile. So right here, we see this shadow of God's heart for the world, first to the Jews, than to the Gentiles, and not just the top Jew, all the way to the bottom Gentile. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that awesome? And that's God's heart, and that's what we're gonna see further on this morning, is God's heart for not only Jesus's ministry, but we're gonna see this is our purpose. This is our calling, this is our life, this is the reason why we're here, is to take the gospel. So John chapter four, if you have your Bibles, we're in John chapter four, this is the New King James Version we're reading. I think the New King James or the, I don't know what the, the few Bibles are. Holman, Standard Christian Bible. Eh, Y'all you have your own Bibles. Oh, you. um, John chapter 24, 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Okay, so let's just stop right there. So remember, the very end of the conversation, Jesus and this woman are having this conversation. She says, well, when the Messiah gets here, now in the, 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 the Samaritans were waiting for the Teheb, right? The, the, the returning one. Right, But they, they didn't They didn't hold fast to the whole canon. They hold fast to the Pentateuch, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. That's all the Samaritans I held fast to and read. And so they believed, they were waiting for the Teheb, which was the prophet that Moses spoke of in Deuteronomy. So they were waiting for this Messiah to come, and they say, when the Messiah, when the Teheb comes, he will teach us all. And Jesus says, I am he. Now, in the original Greek, that word he, or the phrase he is not there. He, Jesus responds by saying, I am. I am, I am the Teheb, I am the Messiah. I'm the one you've been looking for. And then as he finishes up that conversation, the disciples come back and they see Jesus talking to this woman and they're shocked. And they say, what's going on? Now, now they, don't, they don't say because they're, they're cowards, okay? So, um, but they, they, they keep it inside. They're like, why is Jesus talking to this woman? Why is he speaking to her? And I think that what we got to understand, because last week we didn't go into the cultural context, but we've got to understand this a little bit, because I believe it gives us power, a little more insight to what's really taking place. And I believe it's going to give us more insight to how we apply this truth and more application, uh, uh, more uh, depth in our application. But we understand that the rabbis of this day, the rabbis would never teach women. They would never teach women. At best, it was a waste of time. (laughs) one person laughed at that that wasn't a joke okay that wasn't a joke that was at best at worst it was it was um, a distraction from what they're truly called to do which is read the torah study the torah and teach the torah why would they they would just rather they would teach their husbands because in this culture women had no standing in society and this is why when you read the Bible, you see all these interactions of the women. The first woman to the, to the, the tomb was Mary, right? We see these interactions. We see testimony of, of women. All these little things that we say, wow, oh, that's normal. This was crazy. Right? This, the fact that the women were the first to testify, a woman's testify, a testimony would not hold up in court. You could not, it didn't matter for anything. Right, so, so now you have Jesus talking to a woman that's a waste of time. The disciples say, why is he talking to this waste of time? Why is he talking to her? Why is he speaking to her? Now, what's interesting and what's beautiful, and this is where it's, when Jesus steps out of the cultural norms and lives by the power of God and the will of God, what we see was not only that this waste of a time woman was saved, but she went into Sakkar, the city, and hundreds in the whole city clears out to go see Jesus. So not only is this woman saved because Jesus stepped out of cultural norms and followed the will of God, but the whole city comes to Jesus. I believe this is so important. This is so so important for us to remember this because I was thinking about this because I I want you to think in our culture, in your life, this so often happens. There are people that you walk by every single day that you have deemed in your heart a waste of time. There are. I'm not gonna stop to talk to him because it would do nothing. It'd be unfruitful probably so high on drugs he wouldn't even know what i'm talking about i'm not going to share the gospel with him or somebody walks into your business and he's all tatted up and it's not your pastor you're like okay that's a waste of time right like that's a waste of my time he would never receive the gospel because I know people like that he's just he would never respond to the gospel and, and and here's the thing we tried to beauty it up and for whatever reason it could be that hey maybe we did street ministry once and we walked up and down the street and you saw one person after another person after another person all on drugs and you witnessed to them and they just never responded never responded and you're like no okay I'm done it just doesn't work it's a waste of my time I've, I've witnessed the people with tattoos and they're just not savable right they just are look they're so like just rough and they don't they're Hardened. I've witnessed to this demographic before, and they just seem to, or I'm the one guy that I knew, and it just the rest of them, they would categorize them as a waste of time. Now, we would never say they're a waste of time. We try to beautify it up, we try to justify it because we as Christians love to walk in disobedience and justify it. We love it. We do. And so, what we do is this is how we, we, this is how we excuse it we say, Well, they'll never come to the light until they're ready to give up their bondage. They've got to be ready to lay down their slavery. They've got to be willing and ready to give up their drugs before they come to Jesus. Listen to me. This is true. This is true. You have to be at a place of repentance before you come to salvation, right? That's what the Bible teaches. But here's the problem with that. How do you come out of slavery if you've never been preached the freedom? How do you come out of darkness if you've never been preached the light? How do you come out of this, the, the thirst of the, 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 the broken cisterns we talked about last week, if you've never been offered the living water? A waste of time. See, the idea of them having to give up their stuff before they come into church, you serious? I'm glad That wasn't the rule when I started coming. They need to give up before they, they need to be willing to give up, clean up, go to counseling, go to this, go to that, go all, go to the secular, go listen to Oprah for a couple of weeks, and then come to church. And then hear the gospel. You know what they used to do in, in England? And we could try this if you want. I'm not going to be a part of it, but this sounds like a lot of times what the church wants to do is they used to cut a hole in the wall. And say, so y'all wicked people, y'all homeless people, y'all broken people. You can sit out and look through the hole and watch service. You want to try that? We can, you know. Like I said, y'all can find a new pastor. But no. these are the waste of times. These are the waste of breath. Right. That's that's really where where John Wesley started. You know, going to the coal mines and going out. The founder of the Methodist Church, going out and saying, we, "No, we can't do this." But I'm getting off track. We can talk about church history later. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. So Jesus breaks the cultural barriers, breaks this. The disciples are shocked, but he spends the. And here's the beautiful thing is you don't know. You can may talk to somebody and it seems like a waste of time. The beauty of the Holy Spirit and the beautiful way God works is you could plant a seed and you never know who's going to fertilize, who's going to water, who's going to come in behind you. You just don't know what God's going to do. Your job is just to go from one waste of time to the other waste of time to the other waste of time and preach the gospel and share the gospel and share the love and bring the freedom. Amen. That's what Jesus does. And then he goes on and it says that the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and she said to the men, come see the man who told me all things I ever did. Now, could this be the Christ? Now, listen, even in this question, she's feeding into the culture, the norm, right? Because she's not going to go in and declare the Christ is up there. She has to appeal. Could this be, y'all check for yourself, appealing to this kind of this, the, the culture of the men are not going to take the testimony of the woman. So she's saying, could this be pulling them up? And they all went out to the city and came to him. Okay. So the result of Jesus teaching this woman, what does it say? The woman left her water pot. Now, what did, like I said, what did the woman come for? Water. She came for water, the physical water. She came for to satisfy the flesh, to satisfy her thirst, And then they have this dialogue, and she still quite doesn't understand. But then when she finally gets the water that Jesus is offering her, it says that she's no longer concerned, and she leaves the water pot, and she runs. She leaves what she came for she leaves what she thought was the most important she left everything that she was trying to satisfy and said i found something better and she went down to the city and she brought all these people back up see this is the same thing this is the same thing we see with peter right peter catches this huge load of fish by the power of jesus has this encounter with jesus Right? Catches this huge load of fish and then sees the power of Jesus, falls on his face in repentance. This is the biggest blessing, physical blessing of Peter's life is this fish. And Jesus says, follow me and I'll, give you a fi- I'll make you a fisherman. He leaves the blessing and leads, follows Jesus. Same thing with Paul. Paul was a wise learning man, studied under Gamaliel. He, was, he knew Greek philosophy, Plato. He knew it all. He studied under the, the top rabbis of his day. He was a Pharisee amongst Pharisees. But this is what Paul says. He says, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if, any of else, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Paul says, y'all think y'all smart? I'm smarter. Y'all think you're awesome? I'm I'm, I'm more awesome. Right? Circumcised on the eighth day. How many of y'all circumcised on the eighth day? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) The stock of Israel. Right? The tribe of Benjamin. I could trace my lineage all the way back to the tribe of Benjamin, back to Jacob and his sons the Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law I was a Pharisee I was the top dog I taught the law he says concerning zeal so you want to talk about not just knowing the law I lived out the law I was so passionate about the kingdom of God that I was willing to persecute any person that came against God's commands and God's people and even the church concerning righteousness which is in the new Testament, or which is in the law blameless but what things were gained to me these, are But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all these loss for the excellence of knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of the things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That I may gain Christ. Paul says, look, now Paul didn't, when he became a Christian, he didn't forget everything he learned. Can he forget everything? Can he take a rock to his skull and try to brain dead himself? Right? Like I don't need to know that. Right? No. What he did is, like, no longer is this my broken sister. No longer is this my source of identity. No longer is this my power. No longer is this my authority. No longer is this what I lean on for source of comfort or strength or life. Paul says, my life now is in Christ. All of this stuff is rubbish. Paul still used Gamaliel's teachings. Paul still used Plato's teachings. In fact, if you read Paul's letters, you see shadows of Plato's teachings because he's using it to speak to the Greeks, to get them to wit to come to Christ. Paul used everything now for the sake of Christ. Everything was for the sake of it. You think Peter went back fishing? Yes. He got hungry. He went fishing. There were times he goes fishing, but he wasn't a fisherman. He was a fisher of men now. Do you think this woman went back to the well? Yes. She went back to the well because she was thirsty again, but I promised you she didn't go back at 12 o'clock in the middle of the day because she no longer walked in shame and she never went back to the well truly thirsty right? So, this, And the same is true for us, guys. When God calls you, he pulls you out of the life you're in, but not to remove you, but he creates a new person in you. So now that you can live not in your old nature, but actually transform the world around you because your identity is no longer in what you were doing and who you are and your broken cisterns, and your idols and your pride and your prestige and your booty and your looks and your Facebook likes, it's not any of that. Just had to throw that in there. No, your identity is now in Christ, and so now I'm going to transform the world around you. And so, what is the response? And this is where I was talking about earlier. I'm throwing away my sermon and worship, but what's her response? Joy. And just like I'm gone, she runs down to the car. She runs down to the city, and she starts telling everybody. And honestly. This woman went from death to life, from light to our darkness to light, slavery to freedom. And, and this is where I struggle. Like I said earlier, this is where I've been wrestling with all week. And, and, and honestly, my wrestle is, and I'm praying to God, I'm like, God, I don't know. I don't know what this is. I don't know if it's we don't believe it. I don't know if, if we've received some intellectual doctrine that we intellectually believe, but I don't know if it's we're afraid. I, I look at this, and I look at the response of this woman, and what bothers me the most about this is this is not a command. This is a response, and that bugs me. It's not a command, you know? God didn't call Zacchaeus, right? You know, when we look at Zacchaeus, he responds the same way, you know, wee little man. Like he climbs up the tree, the sycamore tree, and wanted to see Jesus. Jesus said, get down here, Zacchaeus. Has this encounter with Jesus. I'm selling everything. I'm selling half of my poor. I'm giving another half away, right? He, the the, the math, Mark chapter seven, Mark chapter seven, He these people have encounters with Jesus. They run out there and tell everybody, and Jesus says, don't tell nobody. And they're like, we can't help it. And they run and go tell people. They tell Jesus. They tell people about Jesus. You're like, keep it down. You see Peter, you see Paul, you see the the, the woman at the well going. And this is not a command. God never commanded Zacchaeus to go and do this. God never commanded these people. In fact, they disobeyed Jesus. In Mark chapter 7. This woman wasn't obeying the command. Now we have the great commission, go out and make disciples and we're gonna talk about that in a second. But this is not that. I wish it was that because it would be a lot easier because I could stand up here and say, guys, guys, you need to be happy. The Bible says you need to respond in happies and joy. Now it does say rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice, which is a command. But the Bible says you need to respond to what you have in life with joy and freedom and run and have an encounter with Jesus, with what he has done for you and the salvation of death to life, that you need to have this. the Bible doesn't say that. That would be nice because I could command it and then all of a sudden we could obey it or disobey it. That's the problem. The problem is this isn't a command. This is a natural response to what Jesus did in the, I was saying, not even a natural response. It's a supernatural response to what the spirit has done supernaturally in you that causes you to propel in the flesh of this response. Because of the supernatural encounter that you had with Jesus from death to light, from thirsty to satisfied. Now, I was thinking about it this week, and I was thinking, okay, if I stood up here and I say, y'all, at communion, we're going to take communion as we always do, at communion, I'm going to give every single one of you a million dollars. Every single one. I got to, I didn't, no, I didn't win the lottery, so don't get excited. This is just an illustration. I'm going to give you a million dollars. I'm going to write a check. You just pick it up at communion, y'all, the first time in your life. You're like, I can't wait till communion, right? Like, um, Now, when I say that, what would be natural, and this is what we should expect to see. I would actually feel kind of bummed out if I didn't see this as as the giver, right? I'm like, y'all get a million dollars. I would expect to see some of y'all crying in joy because you're thinking in your mind, you're thinking no more debt. You're thinking my mortgage is paid off, my student loans are paid off. Everything in my house is—I got—we have our house now. We could even sell our house for twice as much because the realtors are taking advantage of us, and we could go buy a house out in the middle. No one get all of this land now. We could—we could sell. We could sell. You know what? We could sell all this old junker car that keeps breaking down, and now we have a new car. And you know what? I could you are thinking through your life. I could—I could actually stay at home now with my kids and raise my children. I don't know, send them off to school. I could do what I wanted to do and homeschool. I could—all these thoughts are running through your head and you're excited about what you would do if i gave you a million dollars not to mention as soon as you walk out here you're calling your mom you're calling your brother you're calling your your husband and you're saying you'll never believe it we got freedom where our lives are set changed forever you we're rich we're rich a million dollars in the bank and you're like man it's sunday but the banks are closed but tomorrow we can actually have freedom and you're thinking that that would be natural and right now, some of you are thinking right now, what would I do if I had a million dollars? Hopefully tithe it. <laughs> what would I do? And, and the, what concerns me is the only reason that we would not respond that way is if you were a billionaire. If, if you were a billionaire, and I said, hey, here's a million dollars, you say, "What would I want to do with toilet paper?" Right? Yeah. Like, okay, it's like picking up a pen. I'll take it. It's like a picking up a penny on the roof. Sure, I'll take it. Doesn't mean much to me. And I started just praying, God, what is this in us? Because the question that I've been wrestling with is, you know, I watch this disconnect. I look at this disconnect from the, the Bible in many of our lives. Do we actually believe, we, we, we say that we believe that we're saved, or we have freedom. Did we actually believe that we were a slave? <laughs> Do we know that? We say that we we got life in Christ. Did we actually believe we were dead? Dead. We're have going to heaven. Did you believe that you are going to hell to begin with? We believe that we have the living water, whatever that means. Did you believe you were actually thirsty? Were you actually, did you feel the thirst, the the quench, the the, the desire for something deeper? Did you actually understand this? Did you believe it? Did you feel it? Did you know it? Now, some of us in this room, I can't get y'all to shut up about Jesus, man. Y'all, every time, and it's awesome. Every time we talk, it's like, Jesus, 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 you're out in the world. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it's beautiful, be beautiful. But for m- many of us, how much is Jesus on our lips? How much is the joy of the Lord overflowing in us of what we have in Christ? How many people are we actually telling about Jesus in the real world? How many people are we going to in this, our daily life? How many people know that we have been brought from death to life? Not just that you are a Christian who goes to church, but that you have the most amazing gift. How many people are you going down the mountain and saying, I found the guy. I found the guy. And I was just praying this week because if you're like me, you started off this way. And you were so stoked. You were so excited. I remember when I was, first came to Salvation, I, mean, I was telling everybody. I was doing like street ministry. And, I was, and then all of a sudden, you get all, longer and longer and longer. And you get in farther away from your old self. You start to tame down. You start to dumb down. You start to kind of just, I got four kids now. And, and, and yes, I'm witnessing to them. And yes, I'm raising them up. But man, it's hard to tell something about Jesus while you're cleaning their poop up. You know, it's just, it's, it gets all, you know, it's like, so you kind of just lose that. And I'm like, pray, I'm praying this week, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, bring me back to life. God, give me the joy again. Give me, let me be reminded of that first love as Revelation says. And I'm just like, like this week, I'm just, ah. this is where I've been all morning and all week. I'm like, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. I want to taste what you have. Even with communion. Oh man, I was just studying communion this week and then all that, the saints of the first thousand years of communion and I'm, I'm studying that, I'm going back to my old, my old school books that I haven't used in, in, in forever. They always say when you go to school, you always have to spend like, five years forgetting everything you learned because all you know just man's teaching but i go back to these old teachings of the thousand years and how the church looked at the communion and how jesus was just somehow present with this with this church and that saints and i'm thinking about that and i'm thinking god i want more of you in communion i want more of you in the way we see baptism i want more of you in the way i live i want more of you in just the way that i'm preaching that i don't want to preach a sermon that i wrote i want to see the holy spirit come out of my mouth and, and just empower by your spirit the lives that are in here embolden them to go out and live for this i want their lives to change i want the joy of the lord to be produced in them not by my words but by your spirit holy spirit come down that's what i want holy spirit revive us we need new life we need life we're tired of being people who sit in a pew and have our favorite spots and then walk out of this room still they're spiritually hungry and physically hungry, but all we know is to satisfy the flesh so we go to the nearest restaurant and talk about the sports and talk about the nonsense we like, talk about the hobbies we like. God, we're done with it. We want to have life. We want to have life. We want to have life. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, train us, transform us, bring us back to life. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Oh, Jesus. Anyways. No, we're done. We'll preach the rest next week.